All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? DJ Nibbis. And DJ Neko. She's back. Yes. At least for a little bit. We don't know how often, but it's good to have you back. Thank you. Uh, it's been kind of a madhouse even today, so we're, we're still like fighting our way through shit right now, no matter what it is. Uh, episode 84 of the Hordes of Chaos on the Military Radio Podcast. Open it up with some Marduk doing Into the Crypts of Rage by Celtic Frost. So... What else is new for you? I'm having technical difficulties with my Chromebook. <laughs> Nobody in Baltimore knows how to drive. Like, it's just been crazy for me lately. Yeah. Yeah. We seem a little unenthused right now. Well, I mean, all we have is technical difficulties in this damn house. Like, Well, it's like we, we try to upgrade things so we can make things easier, but then getting there is sometimes a pain in the ass so hopefully eventually everything will start working itself out yeah like my chromebook will not connect to our our internet but it'll connect to my phone as a mobile hotspot so tell me how that makes any sense (laughs) and it doesn't and then like everybody in in the city of baltimore does not know how to drive and i'm driving home tonight and I don't know if you all know how Baltimore is set up, but it's, like, kind of in a grid pattern. Like, you know, uh, streets going kind of north-south, streets going east and west. So if you're at a traffic light, you're stopped, you're waiting maybe to turn or go through that light. What ends up happening is people don't realize that, oh, the light might turn red and I might get stuck in the middle of the intersection. So they started putting up signs that say, Please do not stop in the middle of the intersection. But that's what everybody does. They're idiots. <laughs> and then that's supposed to, you're like, if a cop sees you, you're supposed to get a ticket. And I, three cops, nobody's paying any attention. Like, I'm just. Yeah, you don't care when it's you really need them to care. infuriating. And I'm like, what do people not understand? Like, if you, 
if you're at a light and then you see the people at the light in front of you are not moving and you move and you get stuck in the intersection, you're going to be stuck there until the other light changes. Like, it's just common sense. Well, it's a good thing we have metal music. I know, I know. I'm just ranting. We got a lot of great metal for you today. A lot of new stuff. Uh, Play Gears, Cataclysm, Gorophilia, Skeletal, Mad Ross, Perverser, Scordatura, Osrianics. Oh, yeah, Scordatura. Uh, yeah, you follow them on uh, Instagram. Instagram and they follow you. You guys have talked a few times. Mortis Gold, uh, Horn Crown. Uh, and the Rock Blocks, some new stuff from the Devtones. I really like their new record a lot. Um, Raven and some other stuff in there from Metal Message, VR Finland. And, of course, we got DJ Neko's Pick of the Week is back. So we'll get to that when we get there. Uh, I had a chance to listen to a new Enslaved record. Uh, it's good. It's something I'm probably going to have to listen to a couple times. It's a little bit different. There's some songs in there that are very similar to the stuff they've been doing in Alaska. But then there's some stuff in there that's kind of a little bit more... I don't know what you call melodic or a little more. I think the song I chose a little bit more in that vein of new stuff. So we're going to open it up with a song called Distant Seasons from their latest release. Here's Enslaved and here we go. Just 
Thrash Metal Band Poker Face from Russia and you are listening to Metal Tavern Radio. I think we're like really mesmerized by the visualizer. I know. <laughs> and then like this new sound kind of confuses me, but Yeah, we're so used to the old one. But I, I like the change up. It's always nice to keep things fresh. Yeah, I've been dabbling with the idea of doing a new intro, but I, I really love mine so much that I hate to like cut it loose. We actually remember I don't know if you young people out there remember having giant C D books. For your car and we we still have mine that i have had for years and it's in the living room we we're just kind of going through it one night and we found one that that said dj anubis's show and we knew it had to be old right so we popped it into the cd player and it was the same uh, intro, and he was thinking that it was possibly when he first made the, uh... Yeah, I think it was with Vertigo Radio, because I remember in your... Because that was when I had the red neon. There were different liners mm -hmm. and stuff in there for the show itself that Candyman had made, so... It's yeah. kind of, it's kind of crazy, like, I, uh... I know you've enjoyed doing this for a really long time, and, uh, we've had fun doing this new version, and... We're just going to keep plugging at it. I mean, uh, there's been a lot going on in my life, not just because I have a crazy, hectic job. There's, you know, just things beyond my control that I'm trying to help out with with my family. And um, one thing that he said to me is, this is just a nice little, you know, take time for us kind of thing, which is nice because um, I was... Uh, I'm really happy that I, I got home and we started setting up all of our fun new uh, our router extender and started like it's nice to have something normal feeling when well, we, my normal has not I been normal. I just posted about it that you know while you were out we I'd gotten a couple of board games like we like playing board games. I know. And the last time she was we were playing the Godzilla Monopoly, which is really fun. And then while she was gone, the uh, or we pre, we pre ordered both of those. Right. It took them a while, but it got here because they were making them. But the Trivial Pursuit for a Horror Edition was fabulous, and we played that not too long ago. So now I'm trying to set up, you know, a game night for people to come over and play. And we've got a couple of bites uh, Blake Harrison from Pig Destroyer, and then, of course, uh, our friend Kaylee. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. We'll try to set something up where we can just kind of kick back with a couple of friends. And, uh, Not feel like trying to deal with life is is exhausting because God, it, it can sometimes just yeah you have kick to kind right of in the nuts. right you have to find ways to entertain yourself and kind of get away from a lot of the madness. I mean, especially with the election around the corner and all the shit going on right now, politics wise, it's a, it's a lot of craziness. And so. what the sad thing is, like for me, I'm not even with what's going on. Um, I'm not even. I have not even paying attention to it at all. You're not I'm hard much. yeah, I'm I'm hardly even on Facebook. You know, I use it strictly my sister actually just sent me a message right now just, you know, to communicate via messenger with with some friends and family. 
I um when I'm gone, it's really hard for me to get on Facebook because they the amount of bandwidth it takes to run it on um, our servers on the ship, they, they only have a few computers that allow it. So, like, I... Yeah, I was kind of amazed when you were out there. You did, like, the video thing. I was like, oh, wow, it went through. Like, I, you know, you got cut and that off was, eventually. That was but. on um, Google Messenger. And I try not to do that too much because they can tell when you're using a lot of bandwidth and... What happened once? They're like NECA, why are you watching so much porn? Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I don't do that often, and I try to like because we need a certain amount of bandwidth to actually just run our stuff on there, like our emails, etc. But like, one of the guys, um, we we have a lot of people who don't have um, company laptops. I do have a company laptop. That's why I try not to use the lounge, which that has, there's a couple of computers there that have Facebook on it, and I'll do that, like, once a month, like, just to kind of, if somebody send me a message. But, I, um, one of the guys, like, this entire department, it's like, eight or nine of them, a lot of them are contractors, and they don't actually have company laptops. So there's a way that you can share your Wi-Fi on your laptop and they were doing it but they were connecting like their smart watches their phones it and it actually brought down the entire ship's network <laughs> for a day like they had everything connected and it crashed because they think that um and uh the IT people were like Whatever you do, disconnect from the internet. Because we most of us have hard lines, like in our rooms or in our offices or or the shop. They're like, disconnect. We think there might be a virus. Yeah. Because like they were on their phones, they were playing games, they were on their smartwatches. There's one thing, like if you want to share your Wi-Fi with a device and you're doing something safe, like going to an encrypted site like your bank account. But if you're fucking around and it's nine people sharing the Wi-Fi and they're not being careful or they're downloading movies or whatever, it's insane. Well, Speaking anyway, of Netflix. Right. When it comes to our shows, you know, we like to watch documentaries and movies and whatnot and one of the ones I saw just the other day was added, and I wanted Neko to watch it. Was the uh, doc about Shannon uh, Watts, the murder of her and her kids, and involvement of her husband Chris Watts, and it can't. It was happened like in 2018, so it's not it's really an old story. It's very recent, yeah. and and this when I heard about this, like I don't know if you remember how upset I was about this when it actually happened. And then when they, I mean, this happened in Colorado. It was Christopher Watts, the husband, who he's sentenced and he, it has been proven, he has confessed to it, that he killed his wife and then killed his two small children. They're like maybe three and four. Yeah. Very small children. His wife was about 16 weeks pregnant also. So he also was charged with like the third, the third yeah. child death. Now... The interesting thing about this documentary was it is a terrible story. Besides, like, besides the story being terrible, Shanann was a, um, she was part of all these, like, 
thrive companies, these multi-level marketing companies, you see they, they kind of joke online and call them Huns, where like she, they always post videos and they're selling their products. This is how to live better and blah, blah, blah. So the, I know a lot of people um, who sell things and some people are like that where they'll they'll sh their entire like their own Facebook their own Instagram their own Twitter and their entire day and some of them are very successful too and I, I believe Shanann was because they, they they looked like they lived pretty comfortably um he I mean she even was talking about before they left North Carolina like um being able to to purchase her own home and sell her home and he he's you know they're both doing pretty well so she was on Facebook all the time she shared so because this was out there and yeah, she had her, like... her profile public they were taking the the videos that she posted and then piece like into the documentary and post piecing it together like going backwards yeah you have to understand this woman like she lived like, on facebook well They're... like neko said she was pretty successful and then you know, she was going through some rough patches, rough patches, but when she met Chris, like, her life seemed to get better. Uh, but she basically looked like, kind of like, put stuff on hold to be a house mom, basically, because, you know, they had a couple kids and she was working on a third. But we start to learn that Chris, you know, at some point decides that he no longer wants to be in a relationship and there's some issues with the in-laws, uh, not getting along with the wife. And so we wonder how much of that plays into it. And, of course, Neko started noticing early on in the doc that, you know, Chris looks a little fit there. You know, there's something going on. And he swears because this Thrive company, they, um, it's Thrive slash L-E-V dash E-L. It's, it's supplements, and, and a lot of them are like, oh, this will give you energy and this and that. And you could tell in the um, videos when they were posting, like, Chris was doing those exercises. You could see those patches on him. Those are uh, Thrive products. I looked that up. But what I was saying is he, I don't care how many supplements you take, the way he went from, like, and this was in a short amount of time, he went from, like, 230 to about 180 lean and all he he got really into working out and then he lost a bunch of weight and it was very quick and he you know part of him said like his one of his his issues was he just got so angry at Shanann because she was going to leave him she definitely said like you know because she figured out he had a mistress. Right. And when they said how, he, when he, he, he confessed to everything. He knew he was caught, so he confessed to everything. He, um, he basically raged out, and that's why he, he killed his wife. And I'm like, this just sounds like roid rage. Like, in his buff as he was. But I, they never... That's so interesting, because at one point, um, it shows you how people, no matter how minor, when they change their behaviors in a certain way, people notice. And there was a point where the next-door neighbors had their own ring camera or whatever, and they were, of course, 
showing the officers the footage of the night that... And this is all from the police officer's body cam, which was fascinating, too. Right, so, but the neighbor, like, after Chris Watts left that house, because they were all watching the video of Chris turning his truck around to the garage, where, you know, you can't see anything, but the whole point was, after Chris left, the neighbor's like, yeah, you know, he never does that with his vehicle, and then he's like, he never talks that much either. Like He's normally really quiet, right. and he's, like, real fidgety. Now, but, the cops, of course, play it like they should. Yeah, They're like, he, well, we don't have any proof that he did. And he's anything. like, he's like, put yourself in his situation. He's missing his daughters and his wife, so he's probably very you know, upset and nervous about what's going on. And the neighbor's like, I totally get it, but this... It's not him. It's not him. He never loads his his truck from his garage. He never talks this much. He's normally quite shy. So, this, this case just rocked me. I don't know why, because I don't have kids. I love kids. I love my sister's kids. I love your sister's kids. You know, like, well, your sister's kids are adults now, but you know what I mean. Like, I... I've always I've always been the oldest like of all the kids in my family so I've always been around you know little kids growing up and I, I've always so maybe it's just and I teach kids it maybe it was the kids thing that got to me so much but when and I remember this because it was televised when he said what happened like he actually killed his wife at home and then his um he was describing what happened, you know, wrapped her up in a sheet, put her not even in the trunk of the car, of the, of the truck, but it was in like the back seat of the cab on the floor. And then he had his two little girls and they had their blankies with them and they're in the back seat and they kept just saying like, is mommy going to be okay? Is mommy going to be okay? And when he got to the dumping ground where he, he buried Shanann, um, he described how he killed his children and like he said the last words i think of Cece was daddy no and he smothered them in their blankets so yeah it's 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 really the whole thing is really weird not it's bad but it's really weird because he was he was definitely having an affair and then of course and of course lying to that woman on top of it because when he met that other woman I've been in that position. I've been the other woman without even realizing it. I've been not in, by me. No, not by him. But like before, I met uh, Anubis. I was dating a guy who actually introduced me to Anubis. Who, Thank you. Who told me the same bullshit line? I'm separated from my wife, and I am in the final throes of of uh, my divorce. I like. I knew this person, and he was very convincing. He and I worked together, so before he and I even, like, months before he and I were even thinking about uh, dating, you know, I had a a different boyfriend, and he was, quote-unquote, he was married, but he told me in confidence that, you know, he's been going through a tough time because he and his wife are separated. So that's the thing I always found interesting about this case is that... And that's what he did to this woman, too. He was... He could have easily just got divorced like he could he could tell by his 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 actions with texting her you know shenan and everything else that he just wasn't into it with her anymore now it could have been a case of oh man i don't want to pay alimony and all this other stuff but the reality is it was so easy for him just to walk away and yeah but now he's gonna have three kids three child supports alimony well but 
but you're killing people. I'm, I'm not. Like, and that's the thing. I just, I don't get it. Like, dude, what the fuck is your problem? I'm just wondering if she had life insurance. And, well, uh, like, I'm sure. Like, she, uh. But I don't know how it would have worked, because you literally have to be able to prove cause of death. Well, that's what I'm saying, like. He put a charade on for a while. Yeah, she he, just he was and, like begging on on t- That's the other thing that got me, begging on. Please just come home with my girls. Yeah. Uh, just so I'm wondering if um, if he knew Shanann, like he families have life insurance on each other. I have someone Anubis. Um, there's someone me, and my company has someone me. So like, maybe he knew there was life insurance, and he's like, well, if I can get away with this. No, and not get in trouble, then I'll, I'll, and she gets found, and they, he even, the way he buried her, like, there was, like, a piece of the sheet kind of sticking out, almost enough to make sure that she got found, but, like, didn't want to get it tied, because they went through the house, and they were like, it's almost too perfect. Too clean. Yeah, the, and it is a very tastefully decorated house, it's, like, a very, very nice, you know, upper middle class neighborhood the thing that again because shanann was on facebook all the time she's always posting videos and she was always yeah at a moment she wasn't really talking with people or calling her friend everyone knew something was Mm -hmm. up it was like really quick like talking day after stuff well she was she went to for her thrive company she went to uh a it's like a marketing thing they do for a weekend and they all get together and, and teach each other how to boost their business and she came home at 2 a.m and then the thing that also got me god was he had sex with her the night before no and then strangled her like he had they they had sex in the morning and then he strangled her well he told her like "Um, i just i'm not into it anymore and that's when of course she blows up because you know you just fucked her and, like, basically said, hey, fuck off. And now, like, she's angry, which has every right to be. Yeah, she she was, like, you could tell the text between her her and her friends. Like, she knew something was up. He was acting more distant. You know, he did, he, he did lose a lot of weight. And he was nice and buff. And he got a new girlfriend. And then she, no, like, Shanann noticed. And then... After they had sex, and he said, yeah, it, it's just, I'm not into this anymore. I don't want to. And then she got angry, said, you're never going to see the kids. And yeah, then he, that's, then, when, and that's when he snapped. That's why I s- kind of said to Anubis, did he, like, take steroids or something? Was there something in his system? Now, granted, you don't have to take steroids to be a... Uh, a fucking asshole and kill somebody but when they when they arraigned him I guess and he's like super buff and he's in jail and whatever and then like months later when they show pictures of him and he is like skinny it kind of makes me think like maybe he was taking some kind of supplement either way it's a bad situation but you can catch it on Netflix. It's called American Murder, The Family Next Door. Oh, God. It's interesting. I, I think the one, the only other documentary, and I don't know if we ever uh, talked about it on the show, was that Dear Zachary. I don't think we ever got around to that. I mean, we can talk about that another day, but that's another one that, because I, I knew nothing about the story, and when I watched the documentary, it just got me. 
Well, the next block of music we got new stuff from Skeletal, Gorophilia, and from the new album Unconquered, we got Cataclysm. This is called The Kill Shot. No pun intended. Uh -huh.
Whoops. Whoops. I forgot my little, uh... What the hell? Talking shit in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, uh, New Skeletal there with Repulsive Recollections from their newest release. Okay. Very good band. And, you know, I've been, like, a Fear Factor fan for a very, very long time. I know. I remember, like, that's one of the first things we bonded over. That and Sepultura, like... Yeah. So it's it's kind of crazy. We when did we see Fear Factory? I see them a few times. Yeah, but I mean, like it's been a while. Probably two thousand three or four. We saw them with Mastodon. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was a good show. Yeah, um, you know, I I got into them like way when they released Soul of a New Machine. I bought both the CD and tape cassette that day when I was still doing that with bands and. Mm-hmm. Fell in love with them instantly. Uh, obviously, they progressed a lot when they went to demanufacture and so on. But over the years, you know, they've always had lineup issues. And apparently, in more recent years, there's like this battle of the band name and who owns it and this and that. But now I come to find out that there's even more tension between Burton Bell, the singer, and Dino Cerez, uh, the guitarist for the band. And I uh, just learned that. Bell has now quit, officially quit Fear Factory uh, over the differences they have. A lot of uh, jawing back and forth, although Dino has been pretty uh, chill about it. He's, you know, he still likes uh, Burton and respects him and all that, but uh, not really sure what exactly is going on there. Burton's pretty upset about some stuff. I don't know if it's more with Christian and, uh, you know, the other guy, the drummer, uh, over what's going on with the name and everything, but... Apparently, there is a Fear Factory album that's completed with Burton on vocals that's about ready to go. Uh, but Burton has now turned his attention back to his project, Ascension of the Watchers, which he started in like the early 2000s. And I think he's going to be working on his third release with them. It's a little more softer. It's more of the melodic stuff you'd normally hear with Fear Factory. Mm-hmm. more in that vein. Uh, their first record, they actually did a nice cover of Sound of Silence, which I really liked and uh, used a You lot. love that song. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know, you know, Burton may end up coming back at some point, because this is kind of how this band works here and there. Uh, Dino actually had been gone for a while when Christian moved to guitar, so it seems like it's always having a revolving door of members coming and going. But uh, you can find the article pretty much anywhere, but I was reading it off of Metal Injection, and uh, yeah, you can check it out. Gives a little break. That doesn't really get into too much detail, it's just... Burton's saying that he feels like he's been betrayed and Dino just playing the nice guy and <laughs> not saying a whole lot, but uh, I found it interesting anyway. I feel like there's always some kind of, like, I don't want to say controversy, but you know what I mean with Fear Factory. Like, it, it seems like they've always been fighting and there's always been an issue. And, this... and that's always the funny thing, because, like, you, you, know, you won't hear from them for a while, but then a record will come out. Like, when they didn't make Mechanize, you know, you had uh, Gene on drums. So that was a nice surprise for that record. Mm-hmm. And then, then Jenna Nexus, which came out, was their last record. And that's really a pretty solid record, too. So it's not like they're putting out rubbish. They're still aggressive and doing a Fear Factory thing. But, uh, 
yeah, they can't seem to keep themselves from falling apart within, and it's just kind of a shame. It's kind of funny too, because it's like Queensrÿch. Like they have, they're like they have two Queensrÿchs now. One is is. Well, uh, God forbid, Burton tries to go that route. Like I just, I'll be like, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> but uh, you know, one thing Dino did say was, you know, now will give him a chance to kind of give somebody another singer a chance to shine. Who that might be, I don't know. I, I, Burton's always been like one of my favorite singers because of his versatility. So it'll be interesting to see who they can get to kind of do that. It's not something that can't be done by another singer, but uh, but he has a, a a signature sound. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back into some music. Um, I actually played an older track from Mad Ross on either episode or two ago. Very good thrashy band. Um, they have a new record I was talking about coming out. It's now out. And the song we have for it is called A Violent End to Life. Also got some new Antichrist and Perverser in here as well.
looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you Alright, DJ Nubis. I'm DJ Neko. It's just so crazy. What is the name of this? This is the Shin Godzilla? Yeah. That's awesome. I like that audio. Because, like, I, I do like this bed, but it's just, like, taking me for a loop because we had that um, Masters of Horror bed for so long. But I do dig this because we are total Godzilla freaks. We were yeah. we were just talking about like how you and I are uh, clearly lovers. We've been together for a long time, but <laughs> you and I are our friends too. Like we can have fun just playing a, a board game, and we can have fun just like watching a movie. But, it's October, so and, horror movies. Oh, we love funny. the horror movies. We're gonna carve pumpkins. I, I'm gonna treat this time I have at home, even though it's for some like sad reasons. I'm gonna treat this time, my extended time at home, as a as a quote unquote blessing, because I'm gonna I'm gonna try and and suck it up. I'm not gonna make as much money, but I'm gonna try and you know suck in as much personal time I can with everyone while I'm here. So that I uh, I truly appreciate the time home. So when I go out again, I cry again because I'm like, oh, I miss everybody. But back to Godzilla, that was something with the two of us bonded over early. Godzilla and and kung fu movies, and I feel I love kung fu. I love kung fu. I feel like the two of us just kind of we're both real easygoing, and we're both like, I mean, yes. In order to be with a metalhead, you do have to kind of appreciate metal music because you dated some people who were complete 180s of me in their music styles. Like, you know, um, the one girl. Well, I think in some relationships, you know. This is more than just music, it's a way of life. Well, no, but I'm just saying that, like, you can see some people who say, oh, yeah, yeah, I grew up with metal, and, like, you know, they got married, and then, of course, they didn't really follow metal music or rock anymore, and it's not a big deal to them, like, but for some reason, metal music and rock has always been with me as far as, like, a staple to who I am. And that's okay. Right, and it's just that that's why you and I mesh as opposed to like I can date someone who's not into it but really when I think about it well think about stuff you like to talk about what are you going to talk about like like we just talked about well, the singer of Fear Factory you know is leaving when you would say that to someone who does not know who Fear Factory is they'd be like so like well and the other thing is like when I had the ex-girlfriend that you know I used to date uh you know 
she didn't really care for. So whenever we would drive around, like I had to be either really choose to be at what I was listening to so that I didn't like drive her insane or we would end up listening to something else. And after a while, like, you know, you're spending all this time with this person because you like them, but in the end, like, you're not really being you. You're trying to be something else that you're not. She really was trying to make you, like, mold you into, like, her little perfect DJ Anubis. Like, she... She was and she was very into appearances. She yeah. was very into her college life. She was, you know, very into, you know, wanting it to be a very specific way. I mean, you told me that she had a fit when um, her she didn't get into the first bid of a sorority and she had to go to like her second choice and it was like the, yeah, because her friend got in the other one and she didn't. And she was, it was like, like the like end of the world. Deal. And you and I are both like, I would not pay money. To, to well, hang she out with when I found out that they had to pay like these fees, like you know, and it wasn't cheap, and I'm like, so you're basically buying friends. <laughs> that's how I looked at it, and she was really angry at me about. It. I'm like, but that's kind of what it is. You're paying to be part of something that you could do on your own with anybody. You can make up your own little group and make it free. Right. Like, I get it. Some people really like that whole, like, fraternity sorority thing. But, like, to me, it just never made any sense. I never understood it. Just, I, you know, it's one thing if you could just do it. And they said, okay, yeah, yeah, we're going to invite you because we really like you. We think you're a good fit. But then, for and then dues. But like, you're paying dues. And then dues These are hundreds of, of dollars. Yeah, and this is, it's even more now because my girlfriend, um... Her daughter is in college. She's a sophomore, and she really wanted to get into the Greek life, as they call it. And my girlfriend said, if you want to do it, you have to pay for it yourself. You have to finance it yourself because this is super expensive. I think that's actually what her mom said to her, too. Like, when they were disgusted, I remember being there, and I think her mom said, look, we're already covering all your college, so this whole sorority thing is all you. So mm -hmm. you need to get, like, a job on the side or whatever. That's and I made her angry. Like I'm like, look, you can't be mad at your parents for this. This is something that's not. You don't go to college to be in a sorority. Exactly. That's, just, that's an extra. Right. So your parents are being pretty logical about this. My my girlfriend, because I. And I think that's what always kind of set me away from her. Like no matter where I was in my life, I was still like five or six years older than she mm, was. Yeah, so. well, you're 10 years older than me, almost 11, but that doesn't really make a difference if you have a similar mindset. Right, but I'm just saying, in terms of, like, life experiences, I'm just like, that's stuff that I just could not get on. Like, I don't understand But see, it. I don't know, because you and I, when, I was 21 when I met you, and you were 32, so I was super immature compared to you. Not really, because you were already in a job, you were, you know, pretty independent you were still at home but you were still pretty independent and you were responsible shit i'd still be at home My me and me nice when i was at your age i was irresponsible when it came to jobs and probably sometimes still am throughout the years but you have always been dedicated to your job and your work no matter what it is so it's actually good now that you're doing this job that you're actually being commended and appreciated at it so i'm really happy about all that didn't mean to get into this big, uh, long, drawn-out discussion. Oh, well, but. you know, sororities and fraternities are fun to talk about. Like, you, they always put them in movies, and it, it seems like... Remember, because I'm a couple of years older to one of my super close girlfriends who was big into sororities, and um, you and I had moved in together, and I was really excited about living with you, because I honestly, I've only lived with DJ Anubis and my, my parents, and 
I seriously, if I, I almost didn't move out. I was going to see if I can talk my parents into letting him move. My parents have a giant house and like a very nice giant house. Like I have my own bathroom, my own bedroom. We had, there was a whole basement with a bar and it's a huge house. We, we would not even be in the way, but we moved out together and, um, I was happy. I was excited. But then my girlfriend, she's a couple years younger than me, and she got into college and was into this whole sorority thing. And it kind of like, I felt like I was missing something or missing out on something. And that's when he started telling me, like, you know, I dated this girl. And when it's like a cult almost when you get into these sororities, it's only that's all you think about. It's you and your sorority sisters, and it's you and you do this for the sorority, and blah blah blah. But let's on the flip side, I, I'm this. I don't want people to think we're bashing sororities and fraternities. They're they're not terrible. It's just not our our scene. And if you ever did go to a sorority or belong to a sorority, there the benefits like. You know, when you get you you graduate college, you don't have a lot of work experience. You have some great education experience, but sometimes those connections that you make, because the, the uh, alumni of the colleges and the alumni of the sororities, they they do kind of reach back to their to their sororities, and they can help them get jobs and stuff graduating. So don't think we're bashing on it. We're just saying it's just really not our scene. Honestly, it's it's just. It's not our bag, baby. It's not our bag. Uh, but what, what is, is our, our bag? Is <laughs> the rock block and the we've got Neko's pick of the week coming up. As I said earlier, I got some new stuff from Raven, and then of course VR Finland, Metal Message, and the Metals have given us some tracks from Six Gun, Renegades, Lords of Salem, and Acclamail. But we're gonna kick it off brand new stuff from Devtones and. I'm one of the few now that like actually appreciate this band more later in their career than when they started, even though I did like them when they first came out. But uh, I find that their last two two to five albums are like much better than the earlier stuff for me. Can I ask you a question, though? Mm-hmm. Like, Because we, we realized that bands like Deftones, when they were kind of at their peak when I was, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, same as Korn or Limp Bizkit, and I know that they're all still producing music and things do you feel like um they're still out there getting their their music listened to or do you think it's just like old fans have held on to their older music more and not and and kind of like said this is where i stopped listening no i think it's uh i mean you might have some of those but i think that uh from people that I've talked to in metal groups actually like them like me more now because they've kind of gone into a more of a, a post-rock vibe now. Oh, post-rock. My favorite. <laughs> well, you... But you like some of the stuff. Like, Alcest will do certain... Yeah, that's uh, true. I can't... I can't... You shit, don't like... I can't the the stuff you don't, post-rock that bad. The stuff that you don't like is the stuff that's like Radiohead or Muse or, you know, stuff like that. Even though you did like the Muse kind of 80s vibe thing. But the thing is, it's hit or miss with you. But the Deftones, they, they, this is stuff that they're doing now that they did on White Pony, which is kind of the and beginning of And I loved that. White Pony. So this is the stuff that they just kind of gradually moved towards. Whereas Around the Fur was the much harder new metal-ish stuff that they were doing. That like I dug it at the time, but now I find that I appreciate more the recent stuff. Because I just like post-rock a lot. There's a lot of bands out there that have this kind of vibe that I dig, so... So what do we call, like, 
I guess this generation of, um, I don't want to say generation is a terrible way to say it, but everything kind of has a, uh, a timeline, you know, you got, you got the hair metal and the hair rock that was like from, you know, 84 to 90, 91. And then the grunge scene came in and then the new metal kind of blended with the grunge because they were kind of crossing over and, you know, what is, what are we calling this kind of new, um, this new, like you're calling it post rock, but I don't I don't know like what we're calling it because well, I, it, it what what is the quote unquote scene now because well it's not it, it, there's really no particular scene now some of this kind of started with like bands like Sigur Ross um, who else was I thinking of um, shit I forgot already but. Uh, you know, it just, it began with some of these other bands, and they were doing these sounds that you couldn't really pinpoint, and I don't know, it, there's no really, it's still its own thing, like, you, you're find you're just finding a lot of bands now, like, Death Heaven was doing, like, what they would call shoegaze, which I just call that kind of, like, post-black metal, whatever, but a lot of these bands that, um, that started out one way, if they're changing they're kind of changing into this direction where they're doing i would call that enslaved track almost very similar to what we're yeah we're, when you played it you're like what do you think about this i said it's not like enslaved that i'm used to but it, it's not bad it's good i mean the whole record is not like that but the thing is they were doing stuff they have a video for another track that i wasn't crazy with but it has almost like a uh 80 cent thing going on within it but uh the the originator of this, going going the way he feels, Devin Townsend. Devin Townsend is he is a metamorphosis man. He he does not stick to and, one and sound. He is he has stuff out there that's very much kind of like in the same vein, although it's a little more progressive. But there's this band Oliver. It stars like a pure black metal band. They are now doing like almost pop. Like it's really weird listening to the new records i'm like i'm not into it but like a complete transformation and deftones they're they're sticking with a summer format but they're i like it much better than some of this other stuff but let's get rolling. let's give it a shot let's let let's see what the fans think it's a ranchia from their new record here we go
Racing fan and want to be a part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champ and flat card season. You could be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L race to the finish line in Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Dillsburg, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Kepler City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar.
Alright, that's Alchemail with Turn Around. I really like that song a lot. Like, yeah, it's a beautiful track. I think I remember seeing a video of that. It's like them and a couple other uh, individuals, so I think it's a trio. Uh, sent to me, I believe. I believe the Mail's PR sent that to us. So, thanks again for that. And, man, it's been a while since we've had the. Uh, Neko pick of the week. I've been doing this by myself for a while I now. And I was kind of just going through different rock songs and whatnot, but I've been keeping people up to date on the new shit. In the new hotness. Mm -hmm. So, this week is kind of uh, one of my favorite bands ever. Like, honestly, when I went to Paris for the first time back in 2001, I actually went to the singer's gravesite. Um, it's pretty wild. And, uh, you know, the movie about the doors had just come out I, not too long before that. If you, it was like late nineties when that, that movie came out. Right. So I, I've always loved the doors and part of it too. Like I, I think I, I love this song a lot, but you know, as I get older and, you know, there, as we kind of mentioned before, there are things going on right now. This is also like one of my mom's favorite songs. So it's like kind of perfect timing that this is my pick of the week because my mom love, loves The Doors and loves this song. And I love this song too. And it's nice to have some stuff that, that is meaningful to both of us and I, I'm sure the first time I heard this song I was with my mom. Yeah, I know you're, you and your mom bond a lot over like stuff like The Doors, Elvis, Ozzy, uh, Rolling, Rolling Stones. Stones, you know, so not shocking. Aerosmith. Yeah. The other day we were watching um, Two and a Half Men and uh, Steven Tyler had rented the house next door and was outside doing scales, like singing outside, and it was pissing off Charlie Sheen, so we picked a fight with Steven Tyler, and Steven Tyler beat his ass. <laughs> so, just stuff like that, my mom and I, we, uh, we kind of dig the same. I mean, she's not into super heavy metal, but I grew up listening to the, uh, the 70s rock type stuff. And Have they ever talk to you like about the podcast that we do because like they are aware of it i know they don't listen but they're aware of it so do they ever like just kind of like so how's the podcast going no, no. <laughs> you, you do realize Dude. i i am i, I don't know really even know because i'm a very responsible adult but like you and i are, are perpetual teenagers to like most of the family and i get it we don't have children, so that we don't have that huge responsibility. But we don't. Oh, but we have pets, and that's bad enough. That that is bad enough too. But like you, you we see you, baby. But like the two of us, we we have chosen to live our lives in a way that's going to make us the most happy, and we agreed on it years ago, eighteen years ago when we met. So honestly, we um. My family kind of treats us like we are are still teenagers until like what's going on right now in my family like they they really want they, I mean they know I'm an adult and they know I have a a job but like 
all the time it's always like they want they my responsibilities are kind of like low level compared to everybody else's and you know it's like you don't have kids or like I would I used to work in a, in a theater and you don't get paid a lot of money sometimes you don't get any money except for tips when you would wait tables and my parents would want me to do something and it's like you're not getting paid but yeah it's a commitment that I still made kind of like this it's a commitment so but here we have this week the doors love her madly one of mine and my mom's favorite songs I'm actually very unfamiliar with this track so this is a first for me so. you've heard the song nope yes you have nope nope really right Yep, I know a lot of their hits, but I do not know a lot of their more This deeper. is very 60s. That's why I think I love it. All right, well, she's back. It was in, it was in Forrest Gump. How was it? Um, you uh, you might recognize it when you hear it. Here we go. Audio jump. Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow and we will break new ground. From the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ladies and gentlemen, audio jump. Let's welcome DJ Neko's pick of the week.
Alright, DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. Back with the Meltdown Radio Podcast, episode 84. Brand new stuff from Raven, closing out our rock line. So, uh, you obviously didn't get around to watching this series with me. I kind of just crashed course through it the other day, but um, I was bored. And I'd seen it on Netflix for a while, but I just didn't really dive into it. I think actually I caught some of it over at uh, Stauffer's when we were getting the car looked at. But uh, there's a series on Netflix called Black Summer. It came out about a year or so ago, I think. And uh, it's basically another one of your zombie-type series shows. And the closest I can compare it is, like, you know, a little bit of the way the zombies move. They're faster, so it's kind of like 28 Days Later. I hate those type of zombies. I like the (laughs) slow-moving, dumb zombies. Yeah. The ones that you can get around quite easily. Um, I mean, I still wouldn't want to be attacked by a bunch of slow zombies. Right. Because, you know... But I just... I feel like... They're not real zombies when they're that fast. Well, these ones are even worse than the ones of 20 Days Later, because these ones apparently are much harder to kill, too. Like, it's like, it takes a lot of bullets to put them down, so that makes it even worse. Um, the show is interesting. Some people have been kind of down on it. Um, it's not the greatest thing ever, because obviously there's better zombie movies and stuff like that. But the thing I did appreciate about it, it does have an unpredictability about... It's, unpre- it's unpredictable with people dying. Mm-hmm. And so you never know who's going to be making it or not. So in some ways, it's kind of like Walking Dead in that sense. Because I know that even though we didn't finish that series, that you, know, you hear people complain all the time about, Oh my God, so-and-so died. Well, this one's a lot of the same way. You're not always going to get the people that you want. To... Well, you get really pissed off about that. Oh, because, I do. Like, I, I do. You're I... like, oh, they killed off my... We were watching something. And you it was just... Lost. It started out with Lost. And then Sons of Anarchy happened in that. The Vampire Diaries. You that know? too, yeah. I, I was mean, like... totally into that. Like, as gay as that was, I was totally into that. And then, of course, they kill off people. And, like, but this one, like, the first season, like, there wasn't anybody really attached to, so I think I didn't give a shit who was living or dying Ooh, at that point. You're like, yeah, I'm done. I'm like, okay, he died, that's cool. Uh, but season two is being made. Now, I don't know where it's exactly going to go, but uh, it, it's apparently set in the same universe as Z Nation. I've never seen that particular series or anything, so I don't know what all that's about. And... The only thing I really know about how the zombies came to be is, of course, it has to do with the government and something got leaked. It's always about the government. Right. But, uh, yeah, outside, I don't know a whole lot about it. I just know that they are doing a second season for it. But uh, if you like zombie stuff, I didn't find it all that bad. It's just, there is no particular characters that you really root for. In fact, there's one particular portion of scenes where these kids have managed to take over a school and they kind of lure you in with like one of the younger kids and <laughs> yeah <laughs> the it, zombies do no the, the kid the kids do like they're they're survivors oh, so they're, oh. but they've banded together in because school. they're trying to uh survive alive. Right. yeah but the, the risky thing about all this and we learned through that is that no matter if you're coming across these uh, rogues and renegades of people, 
uh, you have to be careful about who you kill because literally within seconds they turn into zombies and chase you. Like, that's how quick it is. You know, it's not like, oh, okay, about ten minutes later he gets up and walks away. These, it's very fast. Um, so they turn into zombies, like, immediately? Yeah, like, If you get bit? Bit, um, if you're, like, you know, shot or killed, like, ultimately just boom. Like, apparently one of the things I read was that the reason why the virus strikes so fast is because it was put in the water system and people had already been drinking the water. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's already in their system. So the minute something happens, like it, like if you have like an open sore, it's not just being bit. If you have an open sore and stuff like that, it will help the virus along. So it's it's very fast acting, and yeah, so it's crazy. And then of course you've got different pockets of people trying to survive, and they all have guns and they're shooting at these you know zombies, and sometimes they're hitting innocent people because it's chaos. Uh, but it was very interesting. Um, it, it's very quick. Uh, I think they're about 20 or 30 minutes an episode or something, so it's not, like, super long. <clears throat> something worth checking out. It's called Black Summer. Netflix. Check it out. Uh, now we're going to get into some brand new stuff from Scordatura. Uh, I know that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Neko has always been kind of in contact. I think at one point they lost somebody in the band, either through death or something else. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we weren't even sure if they were going to still be around for a while, but they do have a new record out. Uh, we're kicking off the next block with them, Osiri, and uh, Annex, and Lick. And Squirtatory, this is World Devoured for their new record. Cool stuff, check it out.
This is Sky Nielsen Promotions. I offer the most affordable, effective, independent metal promotions one can find. If you've got a metal band, project, or art that you want promoted, simply search for Sky Nielsen Promotions. And you're listening to Hordes of Chaos on Metal Tavern Radio. She's in love with herself. I'm getting lectured about how to use my own phone. That's great. Yeah, he doesn't know that there's like a default flashlight, and he has this flashlight app that has like, <laughs> it has ads, and like the ads would pop up and stop the flashlight. I'm like, why don't you just use the default flashlight on your phone? You're like, uh, uh, I didn't know I had one. Doody, doody, do. Jesus Christ. So... Yeah, so anyway. So. We're, we're trying to still trying to figure out this shit with the router, but, uh. Anywho. Anywho. Uh, so I was looking for topics, and one of the things that came up was, uh, an article on cinemablend.com about, uh, people com- comparing Christopher Nolan, the director, to Stanley Kubrick. And personally, I'm a big Nolan fan. Um, and I'm a big Kubrick fan. Well, I do like Kubrick a lot, but over the years, the past 10, 15 years, I've become a big Nolan fan because of his Batman series with uh, Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Prestige is an amazing film. Mm-hmm. Interstellar was pretty good. Tenet, I hear, is really good, which is his recent one, which I have not seen yet. Um, and, of course, he has some Dunkirk and Memento, I think people talked about a lot. I started watching Memento, but I didn't really couldn't finish it. It was kind of slow. But, uh, yeah, he's got a lot of stuff to his credit as a writer and director. And, I don't know, I guess because he has so much success with the amount of films that he has, you know, Inception being one of the the bigger ones out there, that uh, they compare him to Stanley because Stanley was the same way. He didn't do a lot of films, but a lot of the films he did were impactful. I think it's, like, for me, um, I think when a director when you look at something and you're like, that's a Nolan film, that's a Kubrick film, like, that's, I think, what they're trying to, to say in this article, like, they're, maybe that Stanley and Christopher Nolan have some kind of crossover, so, like, um, in Interstellar and in, um, Inception, you know there's a lot of like mindful yeah so i i need like an inception for dummies like i've watched it a few times it's kind of same thing with fight club like i've watched it i've paid attention like i've even watched them drunk i know i've seen inception i know i like i had to go and dig deep on the internet to like help me I'm, understand. It's like help me, help me. I need like the the cliff notes for. In, the, I need to know what's in the box. What's in the box? <laughs> but honestly, I think that's what they're kind of. Um, I think that's what they're kind of alluding to because. Um, well, yeah, it, it seems like both of them have like these. When they did their films, they have like these hidden meanings and messages in them, and. Well, like one thing with uh, with Stanley Kubrick with uh, the the Shining, um, they say there like there's the hallway that 
there's no way that you can ever get out of the hallway like the way that the, it's been shot and described and it's similar to like interstellar like when they're in that like alternate world and the with the bookshelf mm -hmm. and everything this is my thing like i didn't even really i watched that movie hardly i hardly paid attention <laughs> to it like it didn't i think a lot for me is like I think a lot of the Nolan movies just don't really speak to me the way that the Kubrick movies do, but like I can see the parallels mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, and of course Matthew Modine, the actor who has worked for both of them, mm -hmm. he says similar things that he doesn't think no one's trying to be Kubrick, it's just that he might be influenced by Kubrick a little bit in his style and you know some of the influence there with that and the art direction and whatnot. So I don't even think it's so much like with the art direction. I honestly think like the two main movies, Interstellar and um, Inception, that I'm referring to, they everything that kind of happens is very purposeful, but it's almost like a puzzle inside of the movie. So we. The joke, you know, is always kind of like, we're going to Tarantino it and go backwards. But that's literally what they did in the beginning of Inception. Like, you're not starting at the beginning of the story. Or are you starting at the beginning of the story, which is the end of the story? And it's like a big loop. And that's kind of like what happened in The Shining. Like, is this really the beginning of the story or is it the end of the story? Especially when they show that picture at the end and you see that Jack Nicholson is in the uh, picture. So is he really there or is he well, really we, not? We, we, yeah, we you see what I mean? We like, kind of learned that with Shyamalan too. Early on when Shyamalan was doing Sixth Sense and The Village and there's always everything's like, like a loop. There's these twists and turns and but that's not. But that's they're not all. Like, but they even, always. I'm not even saying like a twist or a turn. Everything. That's it, what I'm saying. I'm saying. Listen to me. Everything in Inception is like you start Inception and you're like, okay, this is the beginning of the movie. But as you watch the movie, you're like, this isn't really. You start thinking to yourself the beginning of the movie isn't necessarily the beginning of the movie because it's the end of the movie because of what happened to the character during the movie it's kind of like the same thing with the shining you're like which is a mindfuck yeah which goes back to what i was just saying but that's the thing like these guys you know as they went along even with kubrick they they sometimes kind of get lost along their way when they they, they keep going to the oil well too much uh, towards Kubrick's end, you know, like Eyes Wide Shut and stuff like that. It just didn't really resonate with people, whereas, uh, you know, his earlier stuff like Clockwork Orange and Shining. Mm -hmm. and, but then you have other stuff that's a little more straightforward, still fucked up, but stuff like Full Metal Jacket or with Nolan, the Batman stuff, it, you know, wasn't quite as trippy. It was just like, hey, it's really well made, good stuff, good stories. Um, Shyamalan towards the end got a little bit you know, kind of, that didn't really resonate because the stories that he was trying to tell didn't really have the flair that his earlier stuff did. But then, like, the last one we watched uh, that combined, like, Unbreakable and Split, you know, the last trilogy part of it was really, really good. So he got back to... Mr. Glass? Yeah, what was really working. So, uh, yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting. Like you said, there are parallels between the two.
and how they present their material. I also think it's interesting, too. Like, they're not, like, pump-it-out people. I'm looking at the director credits for Stanley Kubrick, and then I was looking at the Nolan. You know, there's many years between projects. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like... I, I feel like everything that they do is on purpose. Like, everything is conceived and, you know, brought to fruition. Okay, so Eyes Wide Shut came out in 99, but Full Metal Jacket came out in 87. And then before that, The Shining was 80, and... Barry Lyndon was 75 and Clockwork Orange was 71. 2001 was 68. So it's not like they were... I, I feel like these directors are not are not like put into this pressure cooker where they have to just pump out a bunch of shit. Um, yeah, either by choice or by pressure. Mm -hmm. like, it seems like they want to take their time to make sure the films are doing or done well. And Well, we were watching the... Um, I mean, again... I'll, I'll, I'll say back to Clockwork, Clockwork Orange, or, but like a Clockwork Orange at the end, you see how everything kind of comes full circle when, uh, Alex, Alex, yeah, he's, he's in the, in the bed and they're like, so we, we, they were experimenting on him and is it like, <laughs> he just opened, this is an audio medium so you have to kind of describe like at the end where Alex goes num 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 and opens his mouth you know everything kind of came full circle in that movie where at the beginning he got in trouble for you know he was a troublemaker but I really don't think he purposefully meant to murder that woman no nah, they were pretty shady they were pretty guys. they were not good people but it is funny but when it you is run like, into his friends later and they're mm -hmm. cops and you know you got all this other shit going and on and then he gets to the end where he is uh you know he beats that they murder the woman and beat the man to death who um you know now has that giant muscle guy who is taking care of him but because he uh he realized he they started playing Beethoven and then that dude realized the husband realizes who he was and mm -hmm. again with the full circle but it, it's just interesting and I, I enjoy things like that Full Metal Jacket was another kind of a mind fuck too with with Kubrick it's you know I've never served in the military so I can't really comment on things like this but it really does kind of give you a perspective of how how it really impacts you, you know? And, again, with coming full circle, my, my, my theme of this topic, it's really hard to go through training. And it's really hard. Like, this was... Um, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, with private pile and but it's very hard to go through all that it is not and it's very well captured but as you go through and you see them you know going to war after their training it's almost like the uh primordial like force that they were given during their training and they, what they started, um, 
experiencing while they were at war. Born to kill. Yeah, exactly. And they, they, they wear it ironically, but then when it, it's time to happen, that's literally, it's like, kill or be killed. That's... You talk the talk. Do you walk the walk? <laughs> and then think about, at the end, it's almost kind of like, after they experience that that part where everybody's like being taken out by that sniper and they were trying to figure out how to get there and they're singing the Mickey Mouse theme song as they're kind of like marching together it's kind of how do you get yourself back to the new normal right after you've experienced these two parts of your life so what are you gonna do you're gonna go back to like the most youthful thing that you can think of to kind of like stay sane yeah and everybody knows the song even i could probably bust out that song if somebody started singing it so that's the interesting part i find with these two directors is they really are kind of even with the batman movies like everybody knows batman batman's been around since forever but they no. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, you came out with Batman Begins, you know, you're like, yeah, this is really pretty cool. It's darker version, obviously, but then, like, when Dark Knight came out, no one really expected what happened with Ledger, you know, and being the Joker and everything mm -hmm. else, and, like, and then, like, okay, well, how's he top this? And he really doesn't top it so much as he does, but it's still a very strong performance by Tom Hardy as Bane, and he doesn't even worry about going to the, you know, the other direction with Poison Ivy and all that. He just sticks with Bane. You have Catwoman in there, and it's still a very strong film. Of course, nowadays, kind of like The Exorcist, we end up laughing because of the the, the mocking. Yeah. Well, again, we're gonna where's the trigger? Where's the trigger? Well, again, with the full circle theme, the part where um, oh god, I forgot the 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 um, I forgot his name. Noah? No, the actor. Dale? No, his... <clears throat> Crap. Which one? The older guy. Kane? No. Yeah, Michael Kane. So when Michael Kane is talking to Christian Bale, and he's saying, you know, my dream for you is one day that I see you in a cafe having lunch, and, you know, everybody thought at the end when... Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, everybody thought that Batman was gone and died, including Michael Caine. And uh, he does see him in an outdoor cafe with Catwoman. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, that's what I, I like. I like these kind of, uh, I mean, I don't even call them like mind fucks, like uh, Shyamalan's. I, I, more, I more think of these as... It's almost like unhappy, happy endings, if you know, because they're happy endings, again, with, there's nothing happy about somebody going to war, but, like, you see how humanizing everything is, like, everything that... Well, I think that was sort of the point of Full Metal Jacket, was to sort of bring in the realism. I mean, we saw it with, like, Saving Private Ryan mm -hmm. and other films like that, so... That's and, and it was really hard, like, when did, um, okay, that was 87, so that happened, after, like, 10 years longer than 10 years after the war, um, when, 
because of the the times you know these soldiers were coming back and being kind of treating treated like baby killers and they were some got spit on and they, they really suffered a lot of trauma while they were at war and while they came back and i think part of because the beginning of full metal jacket is a little bit funny like the the way that they kind of screw around well with, yeah the drill sergeant the, who, yeah you know Ar arnie i can't remember his life but it was it was you're watching it and you're thinking this is kind of hysterical this guy is really fucking around with these these uh recruits and then you see what happens to private pile and then you know it's turning like that's the turn <laughs> choke yourself <laughs> <laughs> that's the turn in the in the whole movie and private snowball <laughs> that's what i mean like you're really laughing at that part and then it turns dark. It really turns dark right after what happens with Private Pile, and then you see like the realism of what's happening to these people. Yeah, it's like it kind of takes you on a roller coaster throughout that movie because you go from, you know, the the, the funny part of them training to the darker part of it, and then as they get to like where were they Vietnam? Mm -hmm. So like then you have like, the whole thing with the whores and stealing of the or the stealing of the per uh, whatever camera he had. You know just it it in fact that was Matthew Modine his Joker mm -hmm. and you know he's faking his karate stuff. <laughs> and I think that's what really kind of this uh, the author of this this article is kind of pulling at when you see. You have two directors who are able to, again, this is Batman. This is a comic book character, but you're turning it into series, a human. You're was, you're well, that plus it was very complex mm -hmm. as a story. It wasn't just like, hey, here's a bunch of flashy like we saw in like what was it's the like, last Batman entry. With... Yeah, it's like no, it's not the na 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 Batman. Right. It's more like this is a man who has a dark past, and he's trying to do what he can with what he has and move forward that's the interesting part like it's it's hard to take a comic strip and turn it into something more dramatic because that was one of my mom because my mom and, and my dad like older people they grew up with the it's the same bat channel same bat time you know back in the 60s the kids would come home from school watch batman it was all well, not just that but, yeah, but it's like you, high... you and i grew up with Tim Burton's version of and that. And that was the other thing. That was a little bit darker, too, but more of, like, a maniacal darker. Mm -hmm. And my my parents are like, Batman isn't like this. Batman is hijinks, and it's funny, and it's a comedy show. And that's kind of how the, the, the comic and the show had always been. But then when you start taking, like, this Batman that Nolan had created is... It's exactly what we were describing with Full Metal Jacket. It, you're humanizing and really giving somebody the experience of yeah, what's think, happening to a person who went through this. I think one of the key moments is, and was in Dark Knight, is when you know you talked about how Batman's a little bit darker here with uh, Bruce Wayne, and he's trying so hard to want to rid. Gotham of the the crime and everything else. He's built this machine. I forget what they called it, but you know, using the network and all that. And Morgan Freeman was helping set that up. 
And at that point, Morgan's like, look, I'll help you this one time, but then I'm going to have to resign. I can't condone this. And, you know, of course, Wayne's always forward thinking, so he's like, that's fine. Just help me find the Joker, and then you can shut the machine down, and I'll never use it again, which ultimately... Bruce Wayne, Batman knew that was going to happen with Morgan Freeman because they understand each other. So, it but it shows you how far Batman was willing to go to try to stop, you know, the bad guys and whatnot. Whereas with Adam West's version of Batman, you know, it was like look, punch, whammo, right. I'm going to get you with a butterfly net. A little bit more silly. They had like. You know, at one point, I think everything was very every color. It was very colorful. Adam West was like skiing or something. Mm. It was just you know in the Batman outfit right, of all things. Right. So I also feel too like again, you're you're when you can take and differentiate yourself with a character like that because again, we saw Tim Burton take his version of Batman. I I I love it. I watch. I think I've watched the ba- Batman and Batman Returns eight thousand times, probably more. Especially Batman Returns, because I was in love with Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Um, you weren't the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I was obsessed. At, <clears throat> uh, I was Catwoman. Yeah. I, when I was probably about twelve for Halloween, which I don't even know why my mother would let me dress up like Catwoman. Michelle Pfeiffer for but I everything was Catwoman like Catwoman 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 and um you look more at the Catwoman in the 60s and it's like you know it's kind of like sexy even though she is a cat burglar but then like you kind of see how Tim Burton took the Catwoman and made her insane and that's kind of like what I feel he did with everything Tim Burton took the mental illness uh, aspect of everything and made everybody kind of insane even though you saw that because they brought Arkham was kind of like invented later it wasn't in the Adam West days or even in the Tim Burton days Arkham was kind of invented more like in the 90s with the um the Dark Knight comic book but everything with with Tim Burton was more like this person I think they had it towards the end because they had both Carries Riddler and also uh, Schwarzenegger's Iceman in there. Oh, they went okay. So th- that's what I mean. It was in the '90s when it came out. Yeah. Um, with this new, you know, retake on on Batman, you're really it really feels like I hate to use the word real because clearly, well, it is more real. But if you're feeling like you see what the um, commissioner is going through and. You see, so that's that's like a really special. I mean, when what's his face character becomes Two Face, that's a very jarring mm-hmm. moment on many levels. So, yeah. So obviously, Nolan and Kubrick have a lot in common in terms of trying to bring you uh, very realistic approaches, approaches, to stuff. and very humanizing approaches to things. Like you know, you're you're kind of seeing how there is a breakdown. But also, you're kind of getting a, the like piece of the puzzle that you have to really think about in in a lot of their movies. So I agree with you, though. I don't think that Nolan is like trying to be a direct copy of Kubrick. I mean, I 
you think of Stanley Kubrick and you're like, wow, he's like a super... I just think ultimately both directors are able to get the most out of their actors. Mm-hmm. Like, I just I think about all the movies and the, the storylines and, you know, regardless of what happened to Ledger in the end, like, that performance is probably one for the ages and every, even his lines that, you know, he may not have come up with himself or just the way he delivered them, like, especially the ending, he's hanging there and he's like, I took... Gotham, and I showed it to Twill's face. Mm-hmm. All it needed was a little push. Well, and think about this, too. Like, these directors are well-known, but Stanley Kubrick has 16 credits to his name. That's not a ton, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's it speaks highly of their work. Like, they wanted their work to be... They're all about quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. So, And I agree with that. That's the way to go about it. I mean, I know some directors will just be like, look, I just want to get you know films out there so people can see my potential or whatever. But these guys take just a more different approach to it. And they are meticulous. And they want things a certain way. And they want their actors to be a certain way. So... I agree. I mean, this was a really good discussion, honey. I mean, sorry I called you honey in front of all the metal Honey. 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 I, I, this is something that I, I, if you are into movies, like, I'm not saying I love every Stanley Kubrick film, and I'm not saying I love every Christopher Nolan film, but if you're into movies, start, like, really pick up. For me, for Stanley Kubrick, I would I would look at Full Metal Jacket based on our our discussions and like for for Christopher Nolan, you could kind of contrast like the Batman movies versus maybe Inception because you're really gonna get a good feeling of of them mm-hmm. in the movie and I I. It's it's so amazing because I would say with Kubrick you're probably best checking out Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, The Shining, and then with Nolan I would suggest The Prestige, Inception. Um, I keep forgetting about The Prestige, and I love that movie. Holy crap! And Batman's in that too with mm-hmm. Christian Bale, and who's done a wonderful and job. And so is Michael Caine. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think they are a lot alike in a lot of ways, uh, even though they're not really, you know. But don't get us wrong. We don't think Christopher Nolan is copying Stanley no. Kubrick. We think He's got Chris- his own flair. We think Christopher Nolan is meticulously creating movies in, in a light that Stanley Kubrick would probably enjoy. Because, yeah, it's it's more of a come-to-fruition, full-circle, humanizing way of of portraying characters all right well, let's get back to our music uh i got some new mortar scold croesus and i got a little bit of a black metal block at the end there black metal block uh kick it off though with some chasm dweller this is wing of the lotus
this is Jessica from Factory of Dreams. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio.
people to whom that, those thoughts do not occur, who are deaf to that idea, who only think of themselves, who wouldn't worry about the internal daemon or sensor or, uh, or companion. And there are, of course, people who only get pleasure from being um, unpleasant to other people and inflicting cruelty on them. The first group we call the sociopathic and the second group we call the psychopathic. My only problem is with those who think that they're all made in the image of God. Episode 
My there. husband is a super genius. FYI. I am a genius. He is a genius. Oh, I got her Chromebook figured out. That's a cool. One. That is a cool little. Uh... Been mesmerized by the visualizer. Anyway, hope you all enjoyed this episode. A lot of fun playing some new stuff for you. Talking topics. Glad to have Neko back. Obviously. It was nice to be back. Now we're gonna. What are we watching? What did you say? Dr. Giggles. We'll I finally Dr. got that on Giggles. DVD. We'll have, we'll have a little snack. Um, snacky snacks. Have some snacky snacks. Finish up the laundry laundry. I mean, you know. Have a nice Friday night. And because we got shit to do. Because we're grown ass adults who are actually. We gotta be adults. At, we're actually, you know, in suspended teenage years but i think you and i would not have it any other way like you always kind of joke about your basement and that was when we were looking at a house he wanted his own space and like i fine great i don't care whatever you want and this is a tiny house that we live in anyway but the basement is finished full-on 70s style you know can like it's great but he told me he's like if I had this as my room when I was a teenager, I would have been the shit. He's got all his posters up. And oh yeah, this is like a wet dream for a kid. Like at least for me back then, it would have been. But I'm waiting until I'm a big kid at 50 to have what I want. You know, and that's okay. I mean, honestly, we have been we have been very uh, lucky to uh, to have the kind of life that we live. I think at least. I mean, you always feel like you're forced to get married, buy a house, have 2.5 kids, yeah. family dog, and we're kind of more in the like, go to as many concerts as possible, do our best to, you know, be good friends, be good aunt, aunt and uncle, but it's okay. Like, I, I really have been... There's been a lot going on in my life, and I've, I've kind of been reflecting on, like, kind of the opportunities that I've been given in the last two and a half years, and honestly, I, I have to say, I have never been so privileged to work with such supportive managers and supportive um, co-workers, because, you know, there, there's just been a lot going on, and to hear how they're helping me with things right now is amazing. And so these opportunities for both of us have just been kind of coming in and it helps when things get bad, like they are right now. It, it helps to see that, you know what? Things have, things have been worse and things are going. We got this. We got this. I, we got each other. I'm high-fiving to that. Special thanks to Sky Nielsen Promotions, as always. Uh, certainly, uh, we'll be back next time with another episode for 85. A lot of good stuff still out there. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Love y'all. Love you. Peace. Peace out, motherfucker. One last track, Infernal Sea, Devoid of Fear.